receiving what you first have come to believe. So here we are, and if we can look back maybe into the day that we gave our lives to Christ, we all may have a different uh, salvation experience. Uh, some who will talk about the mourner's bench. And some will talk how they might have been down and out. Uh, but at one moment in our lives, we came to the knowledge that I believe that the Son of God died on the cross for my sins. And at that moment, at that time, things started shifting in your life that you no longer believe the things as you used to believe them. But you were being revealed to a life of light, of truth, and love. And started realizing that the things that I used to do and I enjoy doing, I no longer enjoy doing, nor do I desire to do. But now I desire to do the things that will bring honor unto God. How I can be honest and have a, a sense of integrity and and able to speak boldly and declare his truth and, and be ashamed of the things I need to be ashamed of and be proud of the things I need to be proud of. Living this gospel is an opportunity for us to live a good example. Jesus calls us to tell us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We claim to be Christians, meaning that we are following Jesus Christ. And to follow Jesus Christ means we want to be like him. He says that in the time of he is about to ascend into heaven, he tells the disciples to go and make disciples. But he informed them, but you need to what? Teach them all things and teach them what? Teach what I have taught you. And so let's think about the things, the teachings you remember of Christ. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others you will have them do unto you. Pray for those who curse you. Bless and curse not. Turn the other cheek. Be willing to go the extra mile. We understand that he gives us these truths to show us how we can live a life that's pleasing and honoring unto him. And so here we are in this Galatians letter. Paul is urging them to not fall for the law, the things you used to do that brought you no joy, brought you no peace. But think about the joy of your salvation. There's an old gospel song that says, take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the day I first believed. In Revelation, we see how you can find that song. He says that come back to your first love. So follow me here in Galatians, or fourth chapter. Do you see there in verse 12, Paul is picking up to them and says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. He's pointing out to them that I became like you. I came and preached Christ. Oh, you may be seated. Amen. Amen. I came to preach Christ. I came to preach Christ and show you Christ. And I showed you that, look how I'm living. I, a Pharisee who knows the law, Pharisee of Pharisees, realizing that living under the law is not what God has called us to do. 
that I, I want you to remember that I came here and I was like you. I was like a Gentile and you were like me. We were one and the same. We had it all together. We were living in harmony and community of this great gospel. And he's showing that, and he's showing them too, like, if you see the tense here, because you see in verse 6 of chapter 1, he's kind of a mad at them. You can see the argument that he is deeply hurt. I'm astonished that you're leaving the faith. But now he says, but look here, we, we, we together. So you can see the compassion he has for them. And look closely too. You can see that he's not judging them. He could have said, you know what, I'm done with you, give it up. But he says, look, look, we're together on this. And I know, I know we're together because I remember when I came to you, you could have rejected me. Oh, oh, my illness. And you look closely, there, it says my illness is the reason why I came there. It looks to us that this was not a part of his, uh, his agenda for him to spend some time in Galatia. But his illness, whatever his illness might have been, we don't know what his illness might have been. Some might suggest it might be in the thorn, might still be messing with him. But also it suggests that his illness had him in a bad bodily way. He says you could have scorned me, you could have disdained me because how bad it was. But instead, you received me like a messenger. Y'all see that there in the text? And some say an angel, and, and uh, not to get too technical with you, but the same word that can be for angel can be for messenger. But it's so it, it, they said it might have been received him as an angel boy or received him as a messenger, but most importantly, received him as a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It said you received me. You didn't disdain me. You didn't scorn me when you had every right to because I didn't look good. I, I didn't come in the best of health. I, I came in real bad circumstances, so bad that I felt your compassion. It says that you might have even gave me your own eyes. You might have plucked out your own eyes and gave it to me. Think about how we use that terminology. People say, right, I'll give you my last dollar if I have to. I'll give you the shirt off my back. We say that to our friends, right, when we know we care for them. We say, you know what, if you need it, I'll give you the shirt off my back if I have to. Let you know that it's a, it's a sense of endearment and compassion. So Paul said, I, I saw how much you cared for me that if you needed to, you would have gave me your own eyes so that I can be all right. So what happened to your happiness? Y'all see that there in the text? What happened to your joy? Oh, oh. Then you see how I know what happened to your joy. Now you're mad at me. I'm the enemy because I told you the truth. Oh, here we get to the meat. Think about in our lives how we had no joy because we did not have the truth. When we come to know the truth, we have joy because Jesus is our joy. Joy, you can make an across that says Jesus over you. That's joy. Joy is also understanding service. Jesus, others, than you. We find joy. Now, look how joy is different than a situation of happiness. And so he's saying that what, what happened to the time and the happiness and the joy, the blessedness that you had when you heard this gospel message? I know what's happened. I have become your enemy because I've come to tell you the truth. Uh, y'all looking at me kind of funny, but I guarantee there's some people in your life you don't like because they tell you the truth. Uh, they, they don't let you get away living the way you want to live. They let you know that you need to stop drinking. You need to stop smoking. You need to stop sleeping around. You need to stop doing these things. And you don't want to hear it, so you don't go around those folks. 
Because you don't want to feel bad about yourself. You don't want to feel shame. You don't want to feel guilt. But yet you feel it anyway, whether they say it or not. And the reason why they tell you, because they understand, because they see it in your face. They want you to be set free. You can look at how many people have those times of interventions. How people are, are struggling on a an addiction of drug. I, I was watching a, a special and talking about how these young kids are getting getting hooked on heroin. And and the parents are trying to help them and they know they're trying to help them, but they just can't help it. And so people try to tell them, you know you want to stop, but yet you haven't made the decision. And mom's over there crying. He says, look at all these NFL players coming here to help you out. You want to be in the NFL. They're here to help you. You say you're not going to do it. You can do it. You know you want to do it. And mama's crying. And he said, I just don't know what to tell you. And then finally, after they kept on begging and pleading, he says, you know what? I'm going to go into rehab. And then everybody starts celebrating how true it is in our lives that we need someone to be persistent on us, to tell us the truth, to tell us you need to face what you need to face. You can be who God's called you to be. You can be a living example, but you have to surrender to the spirit of God and not to the flesh. That's why I say we walk by faith, not by sight. The just what? Live by faith. That's why he said earlier in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live. Why? Because I have been crucified with Christ. So the life I now live, I live through him. My faith is in him, the one who loved me, the one who died for me, the one who bled for me, the one who set me free. I live for him. Now look how Paul is saying, I told you the truth. I've become your enemies. And look the pain I'm having. I feel like I'm in childbirth. Oh, he's painting for them. And he says, I'm going to be this until when? Until Christ is formed in you. Mm. Now, this is interesting because many times that Paul says how we ought to be in Christ. You can find all the times that we ought to be in Christ, you know, or God will conform us in his image. But here he says that I want, see, I want to see Jesus formed in you. What does that mean that? Are you allowing Christ to grow in you? Are you allowing you to, yourself to surrender to his spirit, to his will? Paul says, I, I, I won't stop until I see that happen. Because the joy of the gospel will make that happen. But when you remove the truth of the gospel and you're living on a lie, you're always going to be empty. Think about it. As beautiful your car may be on the lot, if there's no gas in it, it's not going to be worth anything. As good as your new technology gadget you have, but if there's no battery in it, what good is it? As good as your wonderful new camera is, but if there's no more memory. Well, good. We understand when something is missing that is needed, we find it to be worthless. Here we find out that he's saying because you've rejected the gospel, you're finding that you're empty, that you're not happy, that your life is messed up. And I'm just trying to give you this truth. 
this truth has made me your enemy. Even, and Paul said, look like my example, because you look earlier in the text, Paul points out how he had to speak up to Peter and tell him the truth in front of his friends. There's times in our lives that we have to confront and speak the truth and say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. It has to stop now. Hold up on trying to say tomorrow. Don't, don't put off the things for tomorrow that you can do today. The, your life is at stake. Your life is at stake. The enemy's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And there's a friend that you need to share something with before they come rolling down the aisle. You said, I tried to tell them. And what you mean to say, I tried to tell them that you wanted to tell them, but you didn't. Let it be now the time that we will speak the truth and share what needs to be shared. The truth is this, that God is real. And because God is real, we find out his Bible is true. And the Bible reveals to us that we live in a fallen world because of sin. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are in need of salvation, of redemption, of the blood of the Lamb. And we need to accept this truth and stop trying to do other things to make ourselves feel like we're righteous. Because nothing we ever do will make us right. And... The Judaizers were trying to tell that to the Galatians, say that you got to follow the law. You got to do these things. Be careful of people that tell you do these things. I, I, I received something in the mail. I don't know if you received this. It was a, it's called a prayer mat. You somebody I got one. And it tells you to turn around in a circle. And, and as you pray, you'll see Jesus look at you on this prayer mat and, and send me back your testimony. I tore that stuff up and put it in the garbage. I want, I want you to know how you can see Jesus. And you hear me say that I'm praying that we might see Jesus. And I get that from, it was two Greek boys that came to the disciples and they, they said, Cam, that we, we've come that we might see Jesus. And Jesus let them know that now's not the time. <laughs> because he says, I, 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 you will see me, but you're going to see me in the time of my glory. And you know what that means, right? He meant that when you see me up on the cross. Oh, 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 you're seeing the Son of God in flesh and form dying for your sin. But look here, look here. That won't be the last time you see me. They're going to bury me in a grave. They think that might be the end of it. They, they, they paid off some, some, some soldiers to guard the tomb. Look over. Make sure those apostles uh, don't try to steal his body. But an earthquake came. They fell down a rock, rolled back early that third day morning. He got up and 500 more people saw him. That's what he was talking about. That you're going to see the resurrection and the life. You're going to see my power. And so when we see Jesus, we see him in the salvation power and the resurrection glory when we confess him as Lord. And so how can you see Jesus? You can see Jesus just in the time that you go back to your salvation experience. You can see Jesus when you see <laughs> A, a child celebrate their birthday. Because God is involved in our lives. 
the, the gospel says that there was nothing made and nothing exists without him. That nothing that was made without him that was made. He holds everything together. And so if you want to see the Lord, just think about how he made this. And, and beautiful thing is this. You want the best way you can see Jesus because if you have him, if you confess him as your Lord and your Savior, all you got to do is look up in the mirror. You're going to get a glimpse. Because in Genesis 1, he says, and let us make man after our own image. Because we cannot see him yet in his totality. But we can get a glimpse of his goodness. We get a glimpse of his glory. And we can see him working in us. And so that we might see him. And then, you know, there's another time that, think about this, Stephen saw Jesus. And, and, and when he saw him, it was not a time that we would like to see him. <laughs> he saw him as he was dying. As they were stoning him for preaching Christ. They were stoning him, and he, he said, Behold, I see the Son of God standing. Mm. So, do you want to see him? Because I want you to understand, he's going to come back again. And it, it depends your relationship with him if you want to see him or not. For example... Uh, if you had went into a house and it's not your house, you don't want to see the police come. But if it's your house and the police come, you ha- here they come. You in trouble now. It reminds me of another uh, a show called The Stupid Criminal. This criminal went into this gas station to rob the gas station. But... The gas station was covered with bulletproof glass all the way around. And, he, and the guy in the teller locked the door on him so he couldn't get out. So the police are on the way. <laughs> that guy is crying, let me out, let me out. <laughs> Have the circumstance in our lives. Here it is, that if you know the Lord, you want him to come. But if you don't know him, y'all give me another chance. I want you to know today is the opportunity if you do not know him. Come to know him in his power. Come to know him in his truth. Come to know that he's the one that can give you joy. He's the one that can give you peace. I, I, I know in our lives we live, that think about how things, how many things go wrong, right? Our, our technology goes wrong. Our relationships go wrong. Our finances go wrong. Our health goes wrong. All these things go wrong, but one thing always stays right, and that's him. And what I want to tell you is is that things in your life may not always be right on this side. But when you're lined up with him, everything is going to work out eventually. Uh, I I want you to understand that money comes and money goes. Uh, I want you to understand that they'll give you a raise and also they will fire you. I want you to understand they will give you a plaque and also they will talk about you behind your back. I want you to understand the doctor will give you a good bill of health and the same doctor will come and say you need to take care of this. I want you to understand you can go out on the court one day feeling good but wake up sore the next morning. I'm telling somebody else. I want you to understand life is fickle. But God is the same. And so don't get caught up with things that seem popular for a moment. They will fade away. Oh, just think about how we, we get upset with our youth fashions now, but yet you don't look at your old pictures. 
things come and go. Oh, you thought the bell bottles were cute. Won't wear them now. You thought your blowout was so good. Now you perm and fried die head to the side. <laughs> Things come and go. And my generation, boy, I had me some orange jeans, some green jeans, some blue jeans. But they weren't the kind of blue jeans. They were bright blue. Don't want to wear them anymore. <laughs> Things come and go. Oh, we spend money trying to fit in, trying to get in and look good. But yet, look what Paul says. They want you to be zealous only to use it for their advantages to keep you out. This is what happened, that people think they become cool by having secret knowledge and they don't want to let you in. So they feel better than you. So you got to ask them what it means so you can get in. You know some people like that? They try to hold information close. Oh, you don't, you don't know what that means, does it? You know, they, they, they say that because they want to tease you. See, do you know? Like, you know, the kids come up and, and try to, try to fool, the, fool the old man, try to, try to say, and I'm not talking about my children, I'm just talking about kids in general. I'll be talking, they don't think I know what they're talking about. Like, oh, you don't know what that means? I say, you're right, I don't know. What does it mean? I hear them saying, I say, that ain't not what it means. They, they don't know that this, this young kid right here, I love hip hop, so I know the hip hop slang because the hip hop slang had not changed that much since, since the late 80s and the, and the, and the, and the 90s. It has not changed that much. They're saying the same words in the same song, but they never heard those songs before, so now that they hear them, they think it's new. And so, when you see these things that they think they're in and they think they're cool because they know a slang, they know a term, or, or they know a new clothes to come out. You know how that person, that fr- person got to be the first one with the J's. First person at school with the Jordans on, boy, he cool, yeah, I got the new J's, just came out, bam. Check me out, right? Next week, everybody got J's. You're not cool anymore, now you got to wait for the next ones to come out. Things change. But yet, when we know the Lord, look what happens. You're not caught up trying to stay with the Joneses. You're not caught up trying to say who is cool, who is not cool. But now you're caught up to say, how can I serve my Lord and my master? How can I be last and not first? How can I do unto others as I have them do unto me? How can I truly honor my God with my words and not just give flattered to people? So Paul is saying, look here, it's good to be zealous for good things, but uh, not for the sad things. And he says to them, too, that don't just do it while I'm present. He's saying that be a living example in, with integrity. You know, integrity basically means that you are the same person when nobody's around. You're the same person. We can be with our family and we're one way, then we get in the public, we're another way. I tell them myself, because some of y'all, y'all, y'all too good. Y'all don't want people to see behind the curtain. I can tell them myself. I'm not scared. I'm ashamed because I know I'm a sinner in need of grace. And I remember that I, I can put on a good show and, and my mom would come up to these teachers and different people at different times, at different times. Other times, she's coming by for the wrong reasons to get me out of trouble. But other times, see, they come up and they say, oh, your son is so well behaved or he is so good. He's so nice. And my mom looks at me and smiles and says, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. And then we get in the car and they don't know you like I know you. <laughs> Pointing out that I know the game you're playing. 
You acting like you good and you nice outside, but I know how you are hellion inside the house. And so my mom is pointing out to me that, like, you can put it on, but yet I want you to be like this at all times. And that's what God is getting on to is that, yeah, some people may pat you on the back on today, but later on that evening, will they be able to still pat you on the back if they're still looking at you? And so here it is that we realize, check this out, that nothing we can do throughout the day makes us right. That's why we're in need of his grace. Because if we could work it out, he would not have to die on the cross. So when we live out this gospel, remember I said live out this gospel. It means that it's not that I just have head knowledge that somebody died on the cross as they talk about somebody named Jesus. No, no. I know. Y'all see the difference? I know that the Son of God died on the cross for my sins, and he defeated death by rising from the grave on the third day. That's that joy of the gospel. I I hold that close, and I understand that the lies of the enemy is trying to take away my joy. The lies of the enemy is trying to, to deceive me and confuse me to live a life that's not acceptable to my God and my Father that has me feeling shameful and guilty for things that I need to feel shameful and guilty for. But cast this, cast this, cast this. I want you to understand that, yes, you should feel ashamed that's a lie, that you steal, that you're fornicated, you're getting drunk, you're doing all these illnesses, and you should feel same again, but look, it does not have to stay there. Your sorrow should lead you to repentance. And your repentance will help you to reveal his grace and his mercy. You see here, Paul said, I'm perplexed by you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I, I don't know what's happening with you. I, I'm your enemy because I, I tell you the truth. I won't stop until I see Christ grow in you, but you, you got me confused. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure you out. You see that verse 19 to verse 20 says, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now. Now, so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Says Paul, I, I have to be strong in this letter. I, I have to. I, I feel so much pain and, and so much sorrow that I want to see Christ in you. What I want you to grab here that I, I, you should feel shame and guilt, but does not have to stay. The why is that? Because His grace and His mercy. That when you know that Christ is God, hallelujah, that he is the son of God who died on a cross for your sins, here's what happens. You feel a sense of release to find out that hell is not your punishment. Uh, some of you not catching on. Let me give you an example. Uh, uh, some of you may not be like me, so I have to give two examples. Some of you might be like me that you've been in trouble enough uh, uh, that if you hear somebody call you, and you're wondering through your head, what do they know? You know, the principal calls you the principal office, like, did they find out already? Your mom calls you downstairs, what does she, does she know already? And so you just be quiet while they talk, trying to figure out what they know. And they say stuff like this, like, you're on the honor roll, I am great. Yes, they don't know I got in trouble, right? We're going to Chuck E. Cheese today. Great. All right. I must not be in trouble. Right? You get excited. But you know you're wrong. And you know you did wrong. So you got guilt. You got shame the whole time. Wondering when they're going to find out. But yet when you can say, you know what? 
mom, I did this, dad, I did this, honey, I did this, husband, I did this. You remove that guilt, you remove that shame. And you're going to look them in the eye and you don't feel guilty. Think about how when you look people in the eye, you feel guilt and shame because there's something you need to tell them. And you can look away. Here, I want you to understand that when we confess to our Lord and the Savior, Jesus Christ, we're going to look at him. That's why earlier Paul says that you know God, and better yet, God knows you. So don't get caught up with the lies that he may telling you, live this life, and this is going to give you peace. No, it's not going to give you peace. It's not, and check this out, it may give you what you want, but it's not what you need. I could do a quick survey. Who, who here wants more money? See, that's an easy thing right there. I can get anybody with that. That's what the enemy's saying. I can get anybody with that. So whatever I can put in your mind, say, you get more money this way, do this. And he said, yes, I'm going to get out of debt. And so the enemy knows that we want some things. And it's not the, it's nothing wrong wanting more money because we need money. But the problem is that the enemy gets us to focus more on that than on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because when we want money, we start thinking, how can I get more money? I, I might gamble more. I might play the lottery more. I might do all kinds of things just to get a, a little bit more coins in my pocket. And, and people grab onto it so they'll tell you, do these things, right? I'm going to say it so y'all can get mad at me if you want, but I got to say it. Go ahead and plant a seed in this ministry. Oh, God's going to give it back to you tenfold. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds spiritual. The Bible says, just come, <laughs> just bring your tithes and offer to the Lord's house. <laughs> and he says, he'll pour you out a blessing. You won't have room for him. Meaning this, that stop robbing from him is what he's saying. You're thinking, I can't provide for you. He's saying, you know, I can provide. That's what it's saying. It's not saying it's going to double your blessing. It means that he's just going to continue to bless you. He, he already gave them the blessing that you'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be the lender, not the borrow. You're in the land of milk and honey. The blessing is already there. The blessing has not been annulled. It has not been changed. It's still the same blessing. He's still the same God. So if he's still the same God, trust him. Trust him over what the world is telling you how you ought to live. And trust the word of God. Don't be confused by the lies of the enemy to make get you focused on your own needs as if you can are the only one who can satisfy your needs. Because we know it's true. You can't satisfy your own needs because think about it. Many, many of us that have a house, that have a car, you didn't get on your own. You went to the bank. There's not too many people I know that's walking around like in the old days having all their notes in the carriage. All right, I'm going to buy this deed right now. No, you had to get some assistance to get it done. I want you to know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's our present help in the time of trouble. Be still and know that I am God. All I want you to know is this, that just live out the gospel. Trust in him. 
And when times start getting shaky in your life, you don't know which way to go. Just remind us of all Christ. <laughs> the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking. Say, just remind yourself that though you may feel like you're drowning, just remember that I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful soul. But my master of this, he heard my despair cry, now safe am I, I want you to know that times in our lives may surround us and they may feel dark, but the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Good day now, Zach. May the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, you ought to testify that God's been good to me. I'm going to keep my faith in him. I'm going to trust in him and know that he's going to take care of me. Because I'm his child. Oh, glory be to God. Let's turn to him. Lord, we come. We thank you, O oh God, that you are the truth. And you've given us, Lord, your truth. And God, we want to be a living example of your truth. That we walk by faith, not by sight. Trusting in your holy word. Living out your word. We thank you, O oh God, that you're a merciful God. And you forgive us, Lord, of our sins. We confess to you right now. We repent to you right now. And Lord, that, that struggle that we're dealing with, that we just feel we can't kick, we know by your power we can. So we surrender over to you, Lord. We ask you to surround us with our, our coffin and our brother and sister in Christ to help us, Lord, to stay faithful. That will be truthful with us and reveal to us the errors of our ways and we can confess to them. And Lord, we repent to you, O oh God. And Say, Lord, we want to put these things behind us. Oh, Father, we pray for restoration of relationships and that you restore us, oh God. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you're still working in us and that Christ will be forming inside of us. And, Father, we thank you that you who've begun a good work in us will complete it to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we surrender unto you. You are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us and shape us, Lord. Have thine own way. Have thine own way. Move in our hearts right now, God. Mm. Thank you for that conviction. Thank you for showing the errors of our ways. And thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Amen. We extend.